This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Today, I interview Dr. Grant Garagus. Dr. Garagus is a highly respected orthopedic surgeon working with the general population as well as the majority of professional sports teams here in Chicago, primarily the Chicago White Sox. Today, we're gonna talk about his experience and role with those professional athletes, his personal experience with work and home life balance and keeping its own health and fitness, and how the general population can stay highly active and still safe. Listen in. This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am on with Dr. Grant Garagus. Doctor, thank you for being with me this morning. It's a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. So uh, we, we talked a lot in our pre-talk, and I, I was just telling you how excited I am for today's episode. Can we start with uh, your background, how you got here, a little bit to let the listeners know more about you? Sure. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I specialize in sports medicine and shoulder surgery, shoulder and elbow surgery, actually. And um, my background is I went to college uh, at Harvard Med School, at Harvard Med School, and then I did a research degree at MIT. I did my orthopedic surgery training at Duke University Medical Center in North Carolina, and then uh, did a shoulder and elbow fe- uh, fellowship at the Rothman Institute in Philadelphia. I went back to Duke for 10, almost 10 years as an attending and, and co-directed the, the sports medicine fellowship there. And then I uh, recently was recruited about a year and a half ago to, to Rush here in Chicago, uh, where I've been working and doing some uh, co-team physician duties with the White Sox and the bulls, and also continuing my practice of shoulder and elbow surgery. Very cool. Uh, Quite quite the background. So a big theme of today is prevention, or of the podcast in general is prevention. So I'd like to start with some of your your professional work, uh, professional teamwork. When we talk about prevention for athletes, what does that look like? Yeah, injuries happen uh, in in two reasons. You know, one is... uh, overuse, overexertion, basically doing something that the body is not adequately prepared for uh, and, and be that with, well, not adequately prepared for. The second thing would be um, just kind of a, a freak accident, something that, that moves in a way it's not supposed to, et cetera. Both of those can be prevented uh, typically with, uh, with a lot of strength, stretching and strengthening, really. Um, athletes always do a great job of the strengthening piece uh, what we find mostly is it's the stretching piece, right? And it's also the kind of muscle balance piece and the movement pattern piece. So they're they're very strong typically, but often not using their um, but often they've you know hypertrophied certain muscle groups at the expense of others or haven't uh, or have neglected the the proper stretching along the way. Our pro athletes, we have a great training staff, so they really do a good job of this. But it's really more the weekend warriors. Uh, you know, in the recreational athletes where we really see the main problem with, with those types of things. Right. And that uh, you said, even, you know, they had a quote the other day of these athletes can be high level, but still have terrible posture. And I think that's something that 
uh, internal posture, asymmetries, the red flags you mentioned. And it's something that a lot of people have trouble wrapping their minds around because you think this guy can jump through the gym or he can throw 98 miles per hour. He must be in great shape, but how can he still have bad posture, bad mechanics? Can you talk about that relationship a little bit? Absolutely. So, you know, if, if you're if you're not an athlete, you're a desk guy, you sit at your desk kind of hunched over shoulders, typing all day, you know, then you go home, you're driving home, you're texting, you're always in that kind of forwardly rotated, downwardly rotated scapular posture. And and you can imagine that the the acromion, the bony roof of the shoulder, it kind of arches forward. And that when the when the arm then raises, that's going to cause a lot of uh uh bursitis, irritation, rotator cuff tendonitis, a lot of problems in the shoulder based on that posture. So that's kind of a non-athlete. An athlete may have the same exact scapular posture, that downwardly rotated forwardly rotated scapula, but it's not because of weakness of the back muscles. It's because of relative weakness. So if they've worked out so much on the beach muscles, doing only bench press, uh, they're working their pecs, their upper traps, uh, and their lats, these things are all going to rotate things forward. And then even if they're doing some back exercises, if the, if the, if the muscles that bring the shoulder blades forward are, are far, far, far outweighing the back muscles, then it's not going to work. So we definitely recommend working on the scapular postural muscles. That's your lower traps, your serratus, your rhomboids. These are the type of things you would get, as, as you know, uh, you know with, a, with a low row or with kind of um, planking positions or uh, scap or um, different kind of TYs and arrows, you know, the different exercises you have a, you have more background in this than I do, but they're exercises that focus on those muscle groups are really key to balance out the beach muscles. Makes a lot of sense. When working with, you know, I've noticed over the years, uh, and like you, I've been lucky enough to work with both great general population and high level athletes. The high level athletes are harder to screen. They're harder to do some of these movement uh, assessments on because at least in, in my opinion, in my experience, the general population, things are more glaring. But the athletes, they're strong enough uh, and they've been active long enough that they can kind of hide a lot of these asymmetries, right? So uh, have you noticed that also? Is it sometimes harder to screen someone that's so high level? Yeah, it's, it's, it is. And you also have to have kind of your, your antenna uh, tuned up a little more because, you know, you can imagine if... A weekend warrior misses, you know, a, a, cu- a couple, uh, you know, swims in the community pool on, on consecutive weekends. You know, that's, uh, you know, n- not a small thing to that person. But in the grand scheme of things and in their life, it's, it's not going to break the bank. But if a, if a pro athlete, you know, misses a third of the season, I mean, that's humongous. So you have to be able to catch these things early so that you can intervene early and get them back quickly. We want to get everybody back quickly, but with the, with the pro athletes, we really want to be on it at the very earliest time. So that's why there's basically so many doctors, training staff, physical therapists, you know, per pro athlete. Obviously, there's a whole team of us that surround these clubs and do our best to keep them healthy. We're recording this at a time where people are still waiting for sports to really make their return. You know, we, you hear rumors about the NBA and the MLB, and we hope it's, you know, really coming back soon. Do you expect these athletes to come back? really ready to go or you know, I guess a better way to ask this with my athletes the focus has been take advantage of this opportunity you have the time off let's reset your body but let's focus on that and then let's let's start working on the really appropriate things but we can't let you take too much time off too and start uh regressing so and then someone on ESPN quoted the other day saying 
this might be the best NBA playoffs ever because you gave all the best players in the world really adequate time to all feel better rehab. Have you seen that? Are a lot of players really focused on getting their bodies reset prior to returning? Yeah, so I've heard this question about whether there'll be a rash of injuries when we come back. It's a good question. I don't know the answer. My sense of it is in working with these athletes, these are professionals. I mean, they're professional athletes, period. So they are working extremely hard off-season, on-season. Obviously, I was in spring training in Glendale with the White Sox this year. You know, they come in, they, they get it, they... They quote unquote get in shape, but again, they're pros. They're coming in in a very high level um, already. It's not like they don't uh, train in the off season. So, I would imagine, obviously, with COVID, the gyms are shut down. You know, there's it's a little bit harder to to get around. But I would imagine that they're still doing the same level of off season training. You know, that one would expect from a professional athlete. And on the flip side, you know, as the season goes on, uh, again, they're competing at such a high level. You know, there are injuries that occur just because they're at the limits of what the human, you know, human exertion. So, you know, you might expect there might even be fewer injuries, you know, at this point in the season, because assuming that, uh, you know, folks that were just working out and kind of sheltering in place, you know, didn't get injured during, say, like an NBA season or an MLB season along the way. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Moving on to prevention for a more general population. These athletes have the opportunity to get pre-screened, right? They have people like you and they have a team that comes in, really digs in deep. Uh, I'm assuming that most general population doesn't see you from the prevention side of things. So how would you advise people to, to not have to see you, to not have to run into that injury and eventually have to be in your office? Yeah, I think it, I think it goes back to um, basically, uh, again, I'm a shoulder and elbow specialist. About 90% of my practice is shoulders. I do operative and non-operative treatment. So a lot of it is, you know, not so much prevention because they're coming to see me. They've already got a problem, but it's, it's, it's okay. You don't need surgery. Let's see how we can uh, get you back on track uh, as quickly as possible with non-operative management sometimes. So the, what that often consists of is just keeping the shoulders strong and supple. So that means, again, strengthening the periscapular muscles. So we're on those muscle groups that are kind of open up the shoulders, open up that subacromial space, allow things um, to basically to breathe and not have uh, abnormal bony impingement, that sort of thing. So that's that's the postural piece. That's the strength piece. Okay. And again, we're not trying to build uh, muscle in the back as much as build endurance, right? Because these are endurance muscles. These are muscles that are always on, quote unquote. And so really it's about strengthening, but it's about building uh, strength and endurance with it. The other piece is keeping it supple. So we see that a lot of times people will neglect stretching. So even our athletes that focus on strengthening, they're not stretching, especially uh, internal range of motion. So internal rotation is up the back. This is an activity that, you know, unless you're a woman fastening your bra, it really doesn't come up that much. And people will really uh, neglect that particular motion. The importance of that is if you don't stretch that portion, the, the posterior inferior part of the joint capsule becomes tight. What that does is lift the humeral head, the ball, up into the bony roof of the shoulder. So again, downwardly rotated shoulder blade, capsule from a tight, uh, tight posterior inferior capsule, pulling the ball up into the roof of the shoulder. Both of those things are going to cause a lot of inflammation, biceps tendonitis, rotator cuff tendonitis, bursitis, overload of the AC joint. Really, all of our most common conditions are all right here, and it's because everything is kind of squeezing together in a way that it's not designed to. 
and these capsules are very small, right? These narrow openings in between these structures are small, so it really doesn't take much, right, to start causing some initial issues, whether it be lack of range of motion and then eventually pain and discomfort. Yeah, so so the key with prevention is like all these things, you know, it starts out, you kind of get in a vicious cycle, right, where you, and, and the key is avoiding getting down that cycle, and if you start right. to quickly course correct. So if you have a, um, let's, Let's say you, you injure your shoulder, you, you sprint, you fall in some little tweak, you know, you pick up some groceries, funny, whatever. And then you don't use it for a while. It gets a little weaker, a little stiffer. And now you've got those problems that I mentioned, right? And now you might exacerbate that inflammation, right? Now it's weaker. Now it's stiffer. Now your mechanics and your posture are even more poor. The capsule's more tight. Now it's weaker. Now it's stiffer because you're even using it even less. And you get in this vicious cycle where eventually your shoulder's so debilitated the muscles are so imbalanced, the posture is totally off, um, and everything's stiff and weak. And that's when you really need, you know, professional intervention uh, to, to, to work on, on that. And I, just one quick plug on that, you know, I can help diagnose things, but you really, this is really, a lot of this you can do on your own preventively, but if it's not going well, I definitely would recommend seeking out professional advice because the scapula, the shoulder blades are on the back, you physically cannot see them. So there's a lot, you know, like all lifts, it's important to make sure you're doing them with proper technique. This one is hard to know if you're using doing the technique properly because you cannot see, uh, you cannot see what you're doing while you're doing it. So I think, uh, you know, having someone at least show you how to do the exercise in the right way is critical. Yeah, I love that you said that because I've I've tried to use the analogy of a spectrum with clients in the past where you know things can be non-symptomatic before they become a problem. You can have underlying issues before they become pain, right? So 100%. There's, yeah. And so, so I guess in that sense, we do do some purely preventative care because a lot of times patients will come in, they'll have pain problems on one side, but they'll have the same you know, risk factors, yeah. if you will, of the stiffness, poor scapular posture, et cetera, on the other side, and they just haven't had symptoms from it yet. So we go ahead and say, listen, while you're working on this, to get better, go ahead and do the preventative care over here. Because we do see that a lot. That's very, very common. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that you said that. And I've heard in, in a different interview, not with me, I've heard you talk about how much you get out of seeing someone then get the benefits from your work and go back to the important things, right? Playing catch with their kids and uh, being able to work without pain. Uh, do you want to talk on that at all? How much you, you enjoy that part of what you do? I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part of what I do. So, so, you know, if you're a primary care doctor or family practice doctor, one of the best parts is building a long-term relationship with the patients uh, where you're seeing them year in, year out forever. And, and we don't really have that. Uh, and I, I do miss that. But what we do have, that's great is we see the patient, we see them get where they want to get. We, they get, you know, they get totally better. They get their, their, their not pain, they're pain-free, they're functional back they're doing the things they want to do and then it's you know then it, then it's a high five and they go on with their life and that's fantastic to see people to say where they come in where they're in a state where they're unhappy they're in pain they're having trouble and they leave and they're incredibly uh grateful so that's that's the best part and it's it's um one great thing about being in my profession is just you see people from every walk of life every kind of sport activity socioeconomic status, part of the country, age. It's just, so it's really, really cool to see people from all, you know, all different types of people. All they want is the same thing is to kind of get back to the being the best, you know, self they can be. 
and it's nice to have some some role in that. And the general population is becoming, at least their attempt to become more athletic. There's so many more opportunities now to be athletic. You know, obstacle course racing became a huge thing. You can go do these Spartan races and these tough mutters, right? You can, there's more prevalent, there's always been basketball leagues and softball leagues, but uh, there are golfers. There's just so many opportunities now for people to stay athletic past their high school and maybe their collegiate careers, which I'm sure increases injury in a lot of ways, but, but it's also great from the health standpoint. I think, it, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, first of all, um, just, just to kind of word on my, I do a lot of rotator cuff tears. So you, when people think rotator cuff tears, they think, oh, I must be, I'm not a high level pitcher. How did I get that? Well, you, you can get those as a couch potato, um, you know, re- reaching for your bag of potato chips, or you can get it as an athlete. So, you know, the, the answer is not, you know, sit at home and bubble wrap and don't do anything. You know, the answer is to do things, stay active, stay strong, because that actually has a protective effect. The, you know, these are biologic structures that the muscle, the tendon, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you improve it, if you slowly strengthen and stretch and keep the, the biologic signals will actually make the tissues stronger. That's well, well proven. It turns on the DNA that actually has the, the, the collagen connections of the rotator cuff actually become truly stronger. So I guess my point is I totally encourage people to be active. I would never tell someone, don't be active, don't follow your passion. I mean, our whole goal is to try to get people to be as active as they want to be. I'm a very passionate, I like to kiteboard. It's one of my main uh, passions. One of the guys I kiteboard with, he's in his 60s. He has total hips on both sides. He's a fantastic kiteboarder. I mean, we're, we're doing stuff in the, in the ocean. We're doing like he does airs and all kinds of tricks and everything. He's got two total hips. You know, the point is orthopedic surgery has gotten to a point now where you can really, really give people back, uh, you know, their life in a very tangible and very real way. I mean, that was somebody who had a hard time walking and now he's doing back rolls on his kite, you know? So I think that, um, you know, I think, I think that's the promise of what we do. And that's the joy. Obviously we like to keep people out of the operating room when we can, but, uh, whatever way we need to, we like to get people back to being as active as they want to be. Uh, what a great feeling. It's the greatest, isn't it? It's the best feeling. So let's, let's switch to you. We, uh, have injuries affected you at all? Have injuries affected you and your thought process about how you go about your profession? I think you mentioned a shoulder injury in our pre-talk, right? Yeah. So I'm from San Diego, California. I grew up doing, uh, playing water polo and surfing, kind of a lot of water sports, which I'm still involved in now. And, um, I had a, a bad, uh, surfing accident out in California on some big waves. I went headfirst in the sand and I had a fractured dislocation of my shoulder. Um, honestly, I, <laughs> I made a full recovery. I've got excellent range of motion. I still play, still play water polo uh, with the club team here, and still, uh, still stay fit. It's, um, it took a lot of work. It did give me a great perspective for what's involved um, from a rehab side and what it takes to get optimal shoulder function back. Um, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work um, stretching. It was a lot of just you got to do it, and so. So when I tell patients, listen, you got to do your exercise, you got to do your stretching. That's not just platitudes. I, I know what it takes. I did it myself and I got great, great function back. So I also feel very blessed that I didn't, uh, you know, break my neck, quite honestly, going in the sand. And so, uh, you know, it's given me a great perspective on life, uh, you know, through getting through all that thing. And I think it's made me stronger in the end. Very cool. As a doctor, 
as a as a busy professional who's playing water polo and doing all these things. So that's a that's a good transitionary point. How do you manage that schedule? You know, you're you're a father, you're a professional, but you still have your own both business and health goals as well. Um, a big takeaway I want listeners to get on this podcast is good examples for how to create time in their life and how to create good habits and keep those habits consistently day to day. So if you can talk about some of yours, that'd be great. Well, well, Mike, um, I'll tell you what I know. I don't know if I'm an expert on this. I, I know I'm probably like everybody. It's always a work in progress. Um, but I, you know, I do have a, a wonderful wife and two wonderful kids and, and it's, it's certainly not easy. I would tell you that, um, the key thing for me is that my schedule is so crazy. So leading up to COVID, I was in eight different cities in the six weeks prior to everything being shut down with this coronavirus. Um, and that wasn't part of my job as far as a team physician or orthopedic surgeon. That was, um, implant design work, uh, educating other surgeons on how to use, um, how to use uh, products and do these surgeries. Um, that was different uh, academic meetings where I was speaking at, et cetera, kind of scientific and research things. So all the things I do outside of work. So the, the bottom line is like a lot of us, we kind of wear a lot of hats. The, the one thing that one of my mentors taught me and is really, really true is that you have to schedule your free time. It sounds crazy. You think, well, I'm going to put everything on the schedule and then whatever time's not scheduled is the free time. The, and that sounds like perfect. But the problem is there will be no free time left over if you don't put it on the schedule and make it sacred. So if something's important to you, you know, if you're training for a marathon or something, you've got to put, I'm going to run these days. Or, if, or even stuff like, and it sounds terrible, but spending time with the kids or your wife, uh, you have to put that on the calendar. Some people think that kind of demeans it. You know, why do I have to put my wife and kids on the calendar, you know, is the appointment with them, you know, just as important as, you know, the appointment with some, um, you know, you know conference call. And, and obviously, no, it's not. Your, your family comes first. But the point is, is that those schedules, those calendars are a tool to help you uh, keep that time and you need to use that tool. So I, I think for me, you know, once I got over the kind of odd feeling of like, am I really like putting my do, do I really need to make an appointment to hang out with my family? It sounds bad, but it, it really has allowed me to, to spend more time and not just kind of leave them, you know, the leftovers, really make them a priority and prioritize them. And so that's my advice is if you want, if something's important to you and you want to do it on a regular basis, you've got to put it on your calendar and keep some time sacred for that. No, I, I think that is not only great, but crucial advice. Uh, you know, you talk about not, not deprioritizing things. And I think what we've done is we've done the opposite by leaving just the rest of the free time for I'll get to the rest. I think I, we almost put that secondary, right? Like I, I put my, my athletes, and my clients into my schedule. I put my business off in my schedule because those are important. I can't miss them. So the mindset should be the same thing, right? It should be, I need to put this in my schedule because I can't miss that. I can't miss this time with the family. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I think part of it is, you know, we're, we're at a transition time, right? I mean, I mean, when I, when I grew up, you know, we didn't have the internet <laughs> and cell phones, right? So this is, the world has changed so rapidly where people can be contacted all the time. And, um, and, and so uh, you, you really, you know, it used to be you're at work and that's your work time. And then all the other time, the, the, the weekends, the after hours is all family time by default. And that, that's not true anymore. 
And so if you want to keep that time, you know, for something else, you need to wall that off. You need to be um, active about uh, drawing those boundaries around that time. Again, I'm not the expert on it. I, I, I get way passionate about my research and about uh, teaching and about um, implant design and, and surgical side of it. And, you know, we go in things where I kind of, uh, you do a little too much of that and maybe not on this family time. And then you realize you overshot, you go back, right? And then you kind of, you sort of find that set point. So it's constantly uh, tweaking to find the optimal balance. Um, but the point is that you got to make effort to do it. And that effort is, is being self-aware of what's going on. And also, I think the schedule is key. Uh, you are absolutely right. Because we see both ends of that. We see the busy professional that can't make time for health and fitness. I also see, you know, the, the stay-at-home parent who has a hard time making time for anything else outside of that, who maybe the kids and the house take the priority, and now they're not doing their own health, uh, and maybe not pursuing, whether it be career or just habits, right? Like you said, you have a passion in the research and stuff, so for you, I'm, I'm assuming the job isn't just a job, right, because you enjoy it so much. So people do need to find that center, that centerpiece between the both. So I love that you said that. Um, and then to quote you again from a from my past talk, you, know, you carve out that time where it evaporates. Right? We aren't getting it back when we mess it up. So it's it's important to prioritize it now. Um, and then uh, it, this has been kind of a silver lining of the whole COVID situation, at least for me, has been, you know, I hate to say silver lining because it's such a terrible thing and so many people, you know, were, were, were affected. Um, but I got to see my kids significantly more than I had gotten to see them in, in well over a year or so. So uh, I don't know if that was the same for you or not. Michael, I know exactly what you mean. It's, um, you know, I mean, I think silver lining is an okay term because this really is a tragic thing. Um, but in tragedy, often, um, you know, we can try to find things that we can use to grow and learn from. And I think, uh, you know, learning to, to kind of, um, you know, basically taking a step back and looking at our priorities kind of realizing that life is short. Um, you know, has has been a good thing for me personally. I know for other people as well. Uh, you know, with with COVID, I mean, as a you know, as somebody in the hospitals, you know, we, we've I've seen patients with it, and it's 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 a terrible disease. So um, it's a terrible disease. Period. And and also, you know, seeing just the economic impact. So in the early days, in end of March, we we're only seeing um, urgent care, and so. I had, you know, we'd see like 10 patients a week, only basically broken bones. And there were very few of those because people were, uh, were sheltering in place. So they weren't doing active things. But um, I remember one day in clinic, we only had like three or four patients, you know, in a whole half day clinic. Because again, it was an urgent care setting. And uh, four of the patients were, were crying, were, were in tears. And, you know, an orthopedic clinic, we, we make people better. You know, we don't see a lot of that kind of stuff. And a couple of them uh, had an injury. One of them needed, one of them had a broken bone. But I remember this one lady very clearly. And she had broken her, one of them had a relative that had been diagnosed with COVID. Okay. But one, one lady had a broken arm and she was in tears. And I thought, oh, are you in pain? You know, can we prescribe some pain medicines? You know, what, what do we need to get this better? And she was like, doc, I'm not crying because I broke my arm. I'm crying because my husband and I both lost our jobs yesterday. You know, and that's, I think people forget I mean, we know now, but the economic toll of this is, is huge. And here we're talking about, um, you know, balance and time for your athletics and working out. And, and that's important, but uh, and that's really important. That's really important because it makes you a better 
employee, a better person, et cetera, et cetera, and, and healthier. But also just don't, you know, there are people that don't have that, have that luxury. And that's been a really hard thing to see, um, you know, through this, just the economic impact. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just hoping we, we get this one, two punch behind us and kind of get back to the great, the great uh, country and lifestyle we've all become accustomed to. But, um, but yeah, so the bottom line is, I think it's been really helpful to, to refocus it's been, uh, I really enjoyed spending time with my kids. I taught my younger son how to ride a bike during this time. And, uh, you know, things, things like that, you know, you won't forget. So, yeah. Absolutely. And we need silver linings, right? We have to, to get back to worse. We gotta, we have to Absolutely. find some good. Well, doctor, this has been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, I was excited all week for it. And, uh, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, how do people, find you? How can people go learn more about you and your practice and your team and find you? Uh, the easiest way is uh, on my website. Uh, it's www.drgshoulder.com. That's drgshoulder.com. Garrick Hughes is a little hard to spell. We don't want to make people remember that name. So drgshoulder.com. Um, and that has all of our practice email um, and phone number on there. And obviously, you, there's a lot of patient information and videos. And we're actually posting stuff a couple times a week on there. We really try to keep that information fresh um, for the patients. And then if you want the phone number, that's fine too. It's on the website, but it's 312-432-2880. 312-432-2880. I know your podcast has a wide audience. So obviously we see a lot of patients from the Chicago land, but we see patients from all over the country and actually even some international patients. Chicago is a nice you know, once travels open up a little more, a nice hub to get into. So what we do now is we do a, um, we can do a telehealth visit for those who live far away and don't want to travel um, to see us and kind of get things started. And then do a lot of that over all kind of the pre-work over the, over the, um, over the Zoom uh, equivalent. And then, uh, and then that's really nice for our out-of-state patients. So we can just kind of have everything on the launch pad and they come in and see us and then get things done. Oh, what a great service. I don't think I knew that. Um, I will put all that into the show notes too. So people will be, uh, will be able to see that as well. Um, I doctor again, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and, uh, everybody stay strong, stay healthy. You have a great rest of your day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the lifestyle as medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day. See you next time.